Pastor Varun and Pastor Dala Hopperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church, Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's dynamic teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you, Lord, to speak to all of us and to uh, teach us the truth in the Bible, Father. We know, Lord, that if we receive and know the truth, the truth will set us free. And help us to remember and understand what you want to say to your scriptures. Lord, we pray that this uh, teaching will be a blessing to all of us. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Last time we were talking about what is sin and the consequences of sin. So today it's going to be a little bit more theological, not a lot of practical, but I think it's good to understand the meaning of sin according to the Bible. As you know, the Bible records the Word of God into three languages, but the two main languages are Hebrews and Greek. Because we really study the Bible from these two languages, we look at the root word of anything we want to learn from that language and understand the meaning. Uh, as you know, we all uh, have kind of language we speak. Uh, like in Hawaii, you have some word that if you say, I may not understand, but you have the meaning of your culture in Hawaii. The same thing with Chinese. You have word that you have that meaning that maybe someone else try to understand that word, but they don't get it as much as you are Chinese-speaking people. The same thing with Hebrew and Greek. We try to understand the word from English perspective or from today's perspective of linguistic background. But if we understand it, then we will be able to comprehend what God tried to communicate to us regarding sin. Sin is a big issue. Do you know that Jesus came to die because we sinned? Because sin is all over the world right now. The main reason Jesus died is because man sinned. We need to understand about the word sin. I remember when I was young, I had this idea from another religious background that I'm not sinning if I sit around do nothing. I sin only if a mosquito bite me and I slap on the mosquito and kill the mosquito, then, then I sin against God or against something. Or if I start to steal money from my mom, then I sin. But if I sit around doing nothing, I'm not sinning. That is not the definition of sin in the Bible. So we need to understand the concept, the biblical concept of sin in the Bible. In fact, sin is a nature on the inside of us, whether we do anything or not. We were born into the world with the sinful nature. And the Bible will give us the picture or definition of the word sin. We can group the word sin in the Bible into four groups. And each group gives us different kind of picture. Let's look at the first group. The first group of the Hebrew words and the Greek words point to the meaning of deviation from a standard. Who hold the standard? Who hold the standard? God. Who hold the truth? God. What is right, what is wrong? God. God 
set up the truth, God set up <coughs> the standard of life, and anything that deviate out of that standard or norm of God is sin in the eyes of God. So, and in fact, all of us have not really walked in the complete standard of God yet. Even I myself, I'm still live outside God's standard in certain ways. Look at the first word in Judges chapter 20, verse 16. Judges 20:16. Among all these people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. The Bible in this scripture used the word miss, which is the word shata in Hebrew language. And the same word was used in Psalm 51 verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Again, the same word charta. One scripture used the word miss. Another one used the word sin. What does it mean, charta? It means miss the mark. Have you overthrown a dart? Have you ever shoot an arrow? Or shoot a gun in the gun range? When you try to shoot a gun in the gun range, you try to point the gun into the center of the mark. Or when you try to shoot the arrow, you try to hit the arrow, that arrow into the circle, either outer circle or the mid circle. You try to hit the mark. So anything that missed the mark, going out of the purpose or the plan of God, we call sin in the eyes of God. So that is the word charta, mean astray, mean missing something or miss the mark. Let's look at another word in the Old Testament, the Hebrew language. In Job chapter 33, Job 33, verse 27. Then he looks at men and says, I have sinned and perverted what was right, and it did not profit me. This scripture used the word sin and perverted. The original Hebrew language is avon, A-V-O-N, or ava, the same root word, which means crooked, which means pervert or bend. Instead of being straight, but it bends, it perverts, it's out of the norm. For example, it's the norm for God's eyes that a man marry a woman and have only one wife, a family. So if a man begin to flirt with another woman, even though he's a married man, so that is sin in the eyes of God because it's perverted. It's of the norm that God set up that way for human being. And we call adultery or we call fornication. Anytime that out of the normal things that God set up for human being, we call avon or iniquity or committing crooked thing out of the normal way. The word avon, actually the word avon is used a lot in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And this word, the word iniquity or crooked way or perversion includes the consequences of the perversion. For example, if I commit adultery, it's not only I commit adultery, but I also will get the consequences of adultery. And that avon includes the consequences, which mean curses, the word iniquity. Let's look at another word in Job chapter 19, verse 4. And if indeed I have erred, 
My error remains with me. The word "erred" in English, when you translate from Hebrew into English, the Bible used the word "erred." What does it mean, "erred"? Error. Error. Mistake. Yeah. You do mistake. You don't do the right thing. So the word "shaga" s h a g a h here in Hebrew language it means "err," e r r e r or "astray." The Bible say that we follow the Lord who is our shepherd. And the shepherd will lead us to the green pasture. So as long as the shepherd is leading, you're gonna go to the right place to the blessing. But if a sheep go out of the flock and does not follow the shepherd anymore, goes off and can fall off the cliff, can fall into the forest, and then get lost, wander around in the Wilderness or in the forest, and then get eaten by wolves and predator or lions because you err, you go out, you you don't go the right direction, but you make mistake to go astray into something else, and that is the meaning of sin in the Hebrew language. I mean, astray out of the course that God wants us to go. That's sin in the eyes of God. The word. Shaka. To make mistake, to astray, to <coughs> sin, to uh, in fact the word astray here the, the word shaka emphasizes on the sinning in the ignorant way. You don't know that is wrong, but you do it. It's a little bit on a more more on an ignorant sin. Like when I was young, I did not know God, so I lied. I was jealous. I was very arrogant, but because I did not understand, I did not know, so I went astray from God. I believe that all of us has done something like that. We make mistake in the past because we did not know the Bible. We did not know what is right, what is wrong, so we just go astray and do our own things, and and we don't even know that we are going to destruction. We're going into the cliff and gonna fall down, but thank God somebody come and give us. The gospel and tell us about Jesus, and we get back into the cross and follow God now, and we're going to the green pasture into the blessing of God. I thank God for American missionaries many years ago that they came to Thailand and told me about Jesus. I thank God that these people explained to me the gospel. So I went out from getting lost into the wilderness. Get right back to follow my shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and now I'm walking in the right way. I make the right choice in my life because I know the Bible. At that time, I was ignorant because I did not know the Bible. So that's what er or the word shaga. Let's look at New Testament. The same category of the word go out of the normal way, go out of the standard. The Greek language is parabasis. Parabasis is in Romans chapter four, verse fifteen. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. The English language translate transgressions. Transgression. What does it mean? Step out of the boundary. Is that right? Transgress means you draw the boundary, and you you should be in there, but you step out from the boundary. Again, missing the target. Instead of hitting the target, you miss out of the boundary. So whenever we go out of our boundary that God put upon us, 
then we sin against God and we get into trouble. We need to know our boundary. Uh, thank God for freedom in America. But even though you have freedom in America, it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want because we still have spiritual boundary. You notice that I never criticize the president of the U.S., no matter I select him or not, because the Bible says we should not criticize the leader. So I need to stay in the boundary that I don't criticize the leadership. I can pray for him. I can you know, support whatever t- that he will be successful, but I cannot go out and go on the TV and blast on the president of the country and make joke about him. That is not biblical. We need to stay in the boundary. And we have boundary in everything, marriage boundary. Actually, I like to write a lesson called boundary in marriage. We have boundary between husband and wife. We cannot step across the boundary against our own spouse. Boundary even with my kids. Boundary. I need to respect him too. I cannot just abuse him and treat him in a bad way. So there is boundary in any relationship, in a church, in a family, Everything we do, we need to know our boundary. Otherwise, we will do parabasis or transgression, sin against God. Another word in the Greek language is hamartia, H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A. Hamartia is recorded in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. The Bible used the word their sins. Jesus comes to save his people from their sins. This word sin is hamartia, which means miss the mark again. God wants us to go this way, to hit the mark, but we goes off. We go off the mark. So it's sin in the eyes of God. Another word in New Testament or Greek language is paraptoma, P-A-R-O, uh, I'm sorry, P-A-R-A-P-T-O-M-A, paraptoma, Colossians 2.13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made a life together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Paraptoma means trespass. Instead of going to the right path, you step into the false path. You have two paths. Instead of going to the right path, you go the wrong path. And people do that all the time in life. Go the wrong way, cause destruction to themselves, to the family, to the friend around them. So we need to know the right path. One day I came out from the elevator in the hospital and another woman in there, I think she came to visit her family. She came out and she said, how can I go to silver building? I tried to point, you need to go up that stair and turn right and turn left. The silver building is there. So I tried to explain. And then I left into the garage to get my car to go back to my office. While I was walking out into the garage, God spoke to me. This is the same thing as human. How many people get lost in the hospital before? I think one of the places in the world that everybody have a hard time finding rooms and location is the hospital. Any place in the world, even Thailand, you walk into the hospital, why is that building? It's so confusing. 
every hospital in the world, including America. You look for silver building. You look for green building. Where's green building? What elevator you gonna take? Oh, uh, and find a parking space, and then where to get into the hospital? And God spoke to me. People in the world who don't know the Bible, who don't know God's way, are like people who walk into the hospital and don't know how to get to the building. They get lost. They walk around, try to find that building for half an hour, and they could not find the building without a good map. Without a good arrow on the wall to point where to go next, the same thing. A lot of us don't know the Bible, and we can do a lot of wrong thing. We transgress. We step out into the wrong walking way in the hospital, and then we lead us to the wrong place, and we have to come back again. <laughs> One of the part of the building that the most confusing to me, even as a doctor in the hospital, I still get lost in that place. Is the emergency room at Evergreen Hospital. Evergreen Hospital emergency room is huge, so many doors, and one time I get off on one door and get into a space that I cannot get out, and I said, "How am I gonna get out of this building?" I was so confused. Even the doctor get confused in there. God showed me that the same thing with human being. We need to know direction of life. That's why the Bible say that the word of God is like a lamb that shine the path. To show you where to go, what to do. The more you know the Bible, the better you can make the right decision for your life, and you will not trespass, get in the wrong way, or make wrong decision in any issue of your life. Study, friendship, relationship, work, everything. Amen. So when I relate to my patient, I use biblical principle all the time. The way I talk to them, the way I handle everything, I need to know the Bible, because that is the right way. I don't want to trespass God's way and go into the wrong direction and then get me into trouble myself. Okay, okay, that is the first group of meaning: miss the mark, get out of the norm. The second group of the word in the Bible that translate into the word sin. This group of the words describe a state. Or a condition, a condition of man. For example, Psalm one six: For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You notice the Bible uses the way, the state, the condition of the ungodly. The word ungodly here come from the Hebrew language rasha, r a s h a, rasha. The way of the ungodly shall perish. You know, sometimes when we think about the word ungodly, you think about somebody pull a gun and kill somebody, or you think about a criminal that go and rob a bank. But actually, the word ungodly is very simple: those who don't see God, those who don't know the way of God. The word ungodly, rasha, mean ungodly, mean wicked, mean denied. The condition of a person who reject the way of God. The standard of God, the ungodly people live in the lifestyle, in the condition of rejecting God, don't want to have anything to do with God, or reject the way of God. So rasha, ungodly. Another word is asham, a s h a m, asham. In Genesis chapter twenty-six, verse ten. And Abimelech said, "What is this you have done to us?" One of the people might soon hear, have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. The Bible translate the word Asham into the word guilt 
honest. What does it mean guilt? Make mistake, doing something wrong. Is that right? If you find guilty in your school, you for example, how how many people have uh, copy somebody else uh, answer in the test? Have you done that? Test homework. Homework. <laughs> you did homework. Yeah, homework. Not test. Huh? In in the middle school, you yeah, copy friend. That. <laughs> okay. That is guilt. I have to admit, when I was in the medical school. I didn't copy anybody, but I let people copy me because I was, I was one of the top students, so I know the answer. So you know what happened? My friend, who didn't attend the class, he just goofy, very goof off. He came and sit close to me, and he said, "Can I copy you?" And I say, "Okay." So I answer. I wrote the answer, and my friend just look and follow me everything, and the teacher didn't know he passed the test. So that is guilty. I'm guilty too because I let my friend copy me, and he's guilty too. We both make mistake. We sin against God and sin against the university at that time. So I'm guilty. The word Asham means guilt. In this situation, what happened is that Isaac lived in a land, and famine happened. Recession did not happen only in America. Recession happened also in the Bible time. They call famine at that time. They don't call recession, but we call recession today famine. So the people do not did not have any money. The flocks die. No food. No rain. And God promised Isaac. When I read this scripture, I love it because it for me that even though you have recession right now, God promised Isaac, I will not forsake you. I will take care of you. You will not lack anything. I even bring money from the world into you. You're gonna have more than enough because you are my son. God promised Isaac, and at that time Isaac was chicken. He was scared because he was living in foreign land, and his wife Rebecca was so beautiful. He keep telling everybody in that land that this is my sister, because he was afraid that people gonna kill him. But if his sister, then no one kill him. Is that right? If he's a husband, some people may kill him and take his wife. But King Abimelech. Was mad at him that you lied to me, because if this is your sister, some of my men may go in and sleep with your wife, and they commit adultery, which is wrong in the eyes of God. So King Abimelech complained to Isaac that you may make my men guilt, have guilt in their life or sin against God. So the word Asham means to be guilty. So that is a second. Group of word that mean the condition, living in guilt, making mistake all the time. The third groups of word is rebellion, deliberate rebellion. What is the meaning of deliberate? Intentional. Intentional. So a while ago we learned the word chaga mean making mistake by ignorance, but another word in the Hebrew language, persha, p e r. S H A mean deliberate rebellion against God, a state of a person who feel that they can cope with life without God. They are prideful. They declare that they don't need to depend on God anymore. In fact, God told me that one of the main reason people don't want to accept Christ is pride. In my opinion, pride is the ugliest 
sin of all. Because pride leads to a lot of bad things, and I believe that all of us have certain amount of pride in life, and we need to really deal with it. I need to deal with my own pride. I need to humble myself. I need to really lower, lower myself inside my heart that I would only worship God and give honor to God and exalt other people up instead of thinking that I know everything, I can handle everything myself. That is the word. Persia, deliberate rebellion against God, shake the fist toward God, Persia. But that's what it means. Isaiah one two. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The Bible used the word rebelled. Persia means rebel. I gonna do what I want. I don't care what you say. I know my own way. I will not follow God. Period. And that's why it's so sad that sometimes people need to get into trouble first to turn to God. I don't want to get into that situation. You know, some people are so rebel, rebellious, rebellious, rebellious until cancer hit them, mm-hmm. until losing the job, until maybe they almost die. And they say, "Okay, God, now I, I surrender. I know I cannot help myself. I hope that you don't wait until that last minute that you almost died of cancer and then you turn to God because you waste your life away. We rather humble now, surrender to God, and get the blessing of God and become the blessing to many people instead of just be stubborn, 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 rebellious, rebellious until God have to hit you with something until you really kneel down and say, 'Yes, I surrender.' Amen. God." Allow some bad things happen to knock out our pride, our rebellious attitude. I hope you don't go to that direction. Don't let God knock rebellious attitude out of you. Just humble yourself all the time. Humble yourself every single day. Amen. Every time God warns you something, every time God speaks to you something, just say Amen. Repent right now. Don't fight against God. The Greek language is anomia. Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? The word anomia, translated in the New Testament, lawlessness. I'm gonna do whatever I want. I don't want to follow the law of the church. I don't want to follow the law of the country. I'm gonna drive fifty-five miles per hour at thirty-five miles per hour mark in the street. I'm gonna do whatever I want. Lawlessness. Rebellion, you see, that is anomia. So let's look at the fourth group, the last one, the first group of the word sin. One is in the Old Testament, Mara, M A R A H, Psalm seventy-eight, verse eight. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, and generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The word Mara mean. Contentious, rebellious, stubborn attitude and action. This word emphasizes more on action. Do it with attitude and action. It, it means stubborn, contentious. Another word that th- the same meaning is marad, M-A-R-A-D. Translate into the word rebel. Numbers fourteen nine. 
Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not rebel, Marad. Another word, Raa, R A A H, translate into wicked action, evil action. All this word emphasize on action and attitudes more than just condition. They do something bad. Action, like what I say about the belief in Asian country, they believe that only if you kill animal, then you sin. So they apply the word sin only this part, this group of devious, rebellious action and attitude as sin. But actually, the Bible talk about condition of the heart, talking about missing the mark, talking about not follow the right way. That's all sin too, not just action alone. Ra'a is in Genesis 19:7, and said, "Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly." Mm, wickedly, do not do so wickedly. Action, wicked action. That is ra'a. Okay. After we review all this word in the Bible, let me ask this question: Can you blame other people when you sin against God? Can you say, "Oh, it's my mom's fault, my dad's fault, my pastor's fault, my sister's fault"? Can you blame people? Who is responsible for your sinful action? Yourself. You yourself. You cannot blame any party. If people come and hurt me, I still have the responsibility to respond correctly. It doesn't matter what other people do. We have to make decision to do correctly. The Bible say, "Each of us shall give account of himself to God on that day." Romans fourteen twelve. So you cannot stand before God and say, "Yeah, my boss tell me to corrupt, so I gonna corrupt." No, it's not my boss. But your boss can tell you to cheat money, but you still say, "No, I'm not gonna cheat. I'm sorry, I have to leave this office and go work for another place. I don't want to cheat here." We all. Are responsible for our own action, our own sinful lifestyle. So that is how God counts you. Like this morning when I make an outer call, I told God before I went up to grab the microphone. I said, God, I'm gonna do my best to encourage people to accept Christ. I do my best. I believe Pastor Caesar did his best. I believe that the skit team has done their best. But the bottom line, people who make decision this morning whether they accept Christ or not, it's not my problem. They already hear the gospel. They need to make their own decision. I cannot blame myself that oh I didn't accept Christ because I don't speak well. No, they make their own decision. Everybody make their own decision. God wants us to turn away from sin and start to live again. Sin caused death. Lately, God showed me something that um, um, really inspired my heart a lot. There are only two chapters in the Bible. I'm not talking about the Book of Revelation when Jesus come back. The last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22, Revelation is kind of perfect. Everything back to normal. But the rest of the Bible, there are only two chapters that reflects perfection. Is Genesis one and two. Yep. Genesis one and two, man did not sin. Man has great strong relationship with God. Man has anointing; the glory of God is so thick 
upon Adam and Eve that they could not even see themselves naked. You see what I mean? When you are so full of God, you are not paying attention to something else. You just so full of happiness. They did not see themselves naked. They were having prosperity, no sickness, no disease, no killing, no discrimination, no prejudice, nothing. God walked with them every evening, talked to God face to face. Husband and wife loved each other. No quarrel in the family. And one day God spoke to me that that should be our goal on earth here. Each one of you, you cannot change the condition around you, but you can change the condition in yourself. In other words, Ashley, Odessa, Matt, Justin, you make decision. Sometimes we use the word to become like Christ. That's one way to say. But another way to say is that we will pursue to get back into Genesis 1 and 2. What does it mean? No sin. Full of anointing. Full of relationship with God. Live in prosperity. No sickness. No disease. No failure. Only blessing. I don't know about you. I want that. I make decision. So God showed me this way. And one day when I was walking in the hospital, some sinful thought came into my mind. Just a little sin come into my mind. And then suddenly, I tell myself, my spirit tell myself that it's not worth it. It doesn't worth it to do that sin. Because I want to be in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. I want to be full of anointing, full of the presence of God, the blessings of God, no sickness. Back to Genesis 1 and 2. I want to live like that on earth. And Jesus used the word, Abundant life. He said, I come to give you life and give it more abundantly. So we use different term here. Become like Jesus. You notice Jesus while he was walking on earth. He was so full of blessing. Jesus did not get sick. Jesus touched people, healed. Wow. He's anointing. He's so full of God. He did not sin. He actually bring Garden of Eden back into the world. Through him, his body is a garden of Eden everywhere he, he went. Do you want to be like that? I want to. My goal is to become like Christ. I want to walk around and be a blessing to people. I want to love people. I want to be a blessing. When I touch somebody, they get healed. I don't need to act like religious way. In Jesus' name, you're going to be healed right now. No, I just touch them. They get healed. Amen. I want to live in prosperity. And one of the conditions that we need to deal with in order to get back to the Garden of Eden is to stop sinning. It's to stop rebelling against God. Anytime we know that we sin against God, we need to repent right away. The blood of Jesus blot all the sin out, remove all the sin. And we know Him. We have that relationship with the Father again. We know His will. We walk with Him. And everywhere you go, you are like Jesus. You're so blessing. Everywhere you go, you bless people. People come around you and they say, Oh, what's going on here? Why are you so different? I want to be around you. You are full of wisdom of God. You're full of power. Everywhere you go. Hey, I like to be like that. You want to be like that? Mm-hmm. One thing you need to deal with is that deal with sin. Don't live in sin anymore. Don't be like Adam and Eve who grabbed that fruit and ate it. And then they got kicked out from the Garden of Eden. So 
I want to conclude the lesson today. Even though we learn all these technical words from Hebrew and Greek, the conclusion I want to challenge all of you: set the goal that you will become like Jesus, a man full of blessing, full of anointing, no sin, and everywhere he went, he blessed other people. Everywhere he went and touched, life went into that person. Something good happened to the family. Something good happened to another person. Amen. Yesterday, I have a chance to eat. This is just a personal testimony, a little bit. I have a chance to meet uh, my accountant. He is Jewish. The whole family Jewish. They used to come to our church many years ago. When his son walked into my house, I just look at him with love. 19 years old son. I look at him with love. I just love this man. And another son, 17 years old. I didn't judge them. I didn't judge them that they don't come to church. I just love and listen and love. And I want to be like Jesus. I want my life to touch this young man. When he got into my car to go out and eat food, he began to ask me why I became a Christian. At the end, I said, can you come to church tomorrow? He got excited. He said, pick me up. I called Yong, and Yong picked him up at 8 a.m. this morning. He showed up today, and he's going to come back. I want to have a life full of anointing and love that just draw people into the kingdom of God. Everywhere you go, they can feel that the presence of God in you, the, the love of God in you. But I need to go back to the Garden of Eden myself in order to bring people back to the Garden of Eden with me. How many people want to be in the Garden of Eden? Amen. I want to. So no sin. Amen. That should be our goal. In this generation. Amen. Okay, next time we will learn how to deal with sin. Next time. Okay, a couple of weeks from now. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for this day, Father God. And just remembering, Father, you, you rising, Father God, and being alive in all of us, Father. Thank you for this lesson. And Father, just help us remember all these things. And remember just that you have saved us from sin, Father God, that you have asked us to write live righteously, Father God, in every way, Father. So please just guide us in everything that we do, Lord, to live for you, Amen. to become more and more like the Garden of Eden and just to share your love with everyone so that more may come to know you and that more may join us in heaven, Father God, with you one day. Thank you for this day, Father. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many people sit in your dormitory and do sometimes you just feel the presence of God, you feel the fire on you? Especially after revival service. <laughs> you go home and you feel like, whew. You feel the fire. You know, I feel that most of the time. But I want to challenge you to live like that 24-7. Everywhere you go, you feel the, the thick presence of God, the fire of God. But in order to be like that, you need to live a holy life. So that you will be a vessel. The presence of God, the fire on you. Amen. <laughs> Nothing is better than living like that. The fire on your body all the time. Amen. The anointing. I like to understand how Jesus felt when he was on earth. I think he was so full of anointing. The thick fire on him. Everywhere he goes. That should be our goal. We have more and more anointing. But we need to live a holy life. Amen. Okay. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you.
We trust this message has ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching series, please contact us at 206-275-1042 or visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.org. You may also write to us at the following address, New Hope International Church, 9170 Southeast 64th Street, Mercer Island, Washington, 98040. Thank you very much. Thank you.